Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Well, hey, welcome to Brave. My name's Samuel. If you're new or it's your first time gathering with us, I'm one of our lead pastors. And uh, obviously, I'm not there in person, so I want to give you a little context as to why uh, this talk is on video today. Um, it's just been a really hard week for my family. Um, some of you may have heard, but my papa passed away the day before Christmas Eve, and we also uh, had his funeral this week, and uh, my wife and I, we, we were moving this week, and so this was just one of those weeks where the use of technology is just a huge blessing for our family, and so I really wanted just say thank you and I appreciate that. Uh, But it's the last Sunday of the year and I do have a word that I'm excited to share with you today. Um, We're going to be talking about highs and lows. Now, I know that not every single one of you was close with your grandfather or maybe you didn't even know your grandfather. Uh, Maybe some of you aren't even close to your parents, but I was really close with my papa And when we realized that the chemo wasn't working about four weeks ago, um, I was really fortunate to have a lot of time to visit him and to process some of the things about his life. And one of the things that really stood out to me was that his life was marked by huge highs and lows. Um, Let me just share a few of those with you. A low was being born into extreme poverty with seven brothers and sisters. Um, They lived in Boston, Massachusetts. And back then, uh, the way a milkman would deliver stuff is they'd deliver like eggs and bacon and milk all on a person's front porch. And then they'd go on to the next house. And he would tell me how they were so poor. Um, Sometimes they'd have nothing in their stomach, so they would eat grass. And he he even got to the point where he started following the milkman around and, and stealing so that he could feed his brothers and sisters. So that was a low. A high was that my papa would go on to build a concrete business making millions of dollars back when a million was a lot of money. Uh, whenever his, he bid on a job that was wrong and, and there was a mistake or something, he always ate the cost and he always was a man of his word. Um, a low was battling a gambling addiction for most of his life. Um, there were points where he even borrowed money from some people to pay other people. And these weren't people that you wanted to borrow money from, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, this was really dangerous. Uh, but a high was that by the power of God, he quit gambling 12 years ago. And they say that gambling is the hardest addiction to break. And so it was really uh, by God's strength that he was able to do that. And we, we prayed for him. And that was just an awesome thing to see happen in his life. Um, a low was his father dying of drinking in his early 40s. He was his dad's favorite. So as a little boy, his mom would send him down to the bar to get his dad and try to get his dad to come home. A high was that my papa became an incredible father and grandfather who would uh, always have a positive outlook. He was someone we could always lean on when we needed encouragement. And you just knew when you were with him that he loved you. My papa's life is remarkable, but his journey is not unique. All of us experience highs and lows as we go through life. And so in 2019, 
Uh, it's been such a year of transition for so many of us, and we've, we've seen a lot of changes happen in our lives, in our world, and it's been marked by incredible highs and incredible lows. So looking back on these last 10 years, uh, just as this decade is winding down, it's a really great time for those who are followers of Jesus to look back and, and look at the things that God has done in our lives. And when I look back on the last 10 years in my life, um, there have been so many spiritual highs But there have also been notable spiritual lows. There's been times where I experienced the Holy Spirit's presence in my life and I saw God doing incredible things in in ministry and people finding God. There have been moments where I just felt so uh, overwhelmed by how much God loves me. And then there's also been times where I've been at a spiritual low and I felt like I'm in a desert. I've had disappointments, I've had failures, I've had temptations, I've I've had opposition, and I've experienced exhaustion, just completely burnt out, exhausted. The remarkable thing about highs and lows is that they're connected. God works through them both. We actually need them both. We, We think that we want everything to be good and perfect all the time, but that's actually not what we need. We need the lessons of the valley to become the person that God created us to be. And so one of the greatest gifts that we present to God someday is the person that we become. And it's the, it's the relationship with God that we can cultivate now that will carry on into eternity. And so this relationship with God isn't something that, that begins later. It's something that we can be building right now as we commune with Him. And so the most beautiful parts of who we become, they are forged in the lows. We, we, we've got to have a higher view of suffering because suffering is not wasted. It's a time where God is with us and He is actively at work in our lives. Today, I want to share with you three lessons from the valley. And the first, number one, is to trust that suffering will end in victory. Psalm 22 forms the background to Jesus' cry on the cross when Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not a coincidence that Jesus quoted this psalm when he was dying on the cross. Let's read these first five verses of Psalm 22 together. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Notice the psalmist starts off. With my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a low point. That's the point where we find ourselves going, God, what is up? Like, why is this happening to me? This isn't what I wanted. This isn't how I thought my marriage would go. This isn't what I wanted for my family. This is not what I wanted for my life. Maybe you experienced some unexpected health challenges this week or or problems with your children or those that you loved and you just got to this point of desperation. You got to this point where you were crying out to God in frustration. These are moments when we're at the end of ourselves and, and it's when we get honest with God and honest with ourselves and we cry out like the psalmist did day and night that we start to remember who we're talking to that we start to remember that God is faithful, 
that he, that he is so much bigger than the problems we face when we realize, wait a minute, my hope isn't how I'm feeling. My hope isn't in my circumstances. In fact, you know what? I've heard stories from generations past where God has, has won and created a victory over the suffering and the things that, that people have dealt with that are so similar to what I'm dealing with. Their suffering ends in victory. Jesus is at the, in the very lowest point of his life and he's being crucified and he's, he's forsaken by God. God has not yet delivered him. And the apparent defeat on the cross turned out to be the greatest victory of all time. If you're at a low point, remember that suffering doesn't have the last word. In Jesus, the resurrection and the victory of God have the last word. So we can keep trusting him. In fact, we can find rest in our trust in him no matter how troubled we feel. Let your guard down and allow the peace of God to override the things that are beyond our understanding. So number one, trust that suffering will end in victory. And number two, grow in authority through the battles and blessings. Grow in authority through the battles and the blessings. Billy Graham was one of the greatest evangelists of our time. And when he passed away last year, I remember watching clips of him preaching on YouTube and just pulling up stuff. And some of them were so old, they were in black and white. But even after 50 years, there's power in the message. What's most striking when, when, when you watch him preach from 50 plus years ago is the authority with which he speaks. This kind of authority is a reflection of the supreme authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself was prepared by God through the spiritual highs and the lows of the blessings and the battles that he experienced. In Mark's gospel, right out of the gate in chapter one, we see Jesus go into the desert for 40 days where he would be tested by Satan himself. Mark's the shortest gospel and it covers three weeks of Jesus's actions and 20 minutes of his words. And I think of it as the most action-packed gospel. Like if Marvel was doing a movie and they were using one of the gospels, Mark's the gospel that they would pick because it's so action-packed. It goes from event to event. There's so much excitement. One of Mark's favorite words is immediately. And there's this sense of urgency, like right out of the gate. He can't wait to tell us the good news. And one of the things that Mark's gospel really highlights is that Jesus knew all about a pressurized life. He knew all about stress. He knew all about how to deal with too much to handle. Jesus knew about highs and lows. I mean, let's think about this. At his baptism, what a spiritual high. I mean, he sees, he has a vision of heaven being torn open. Then he has an experience with the Holy Spirit. In verse 10, it says the Spirit descended on him like a dove. He heard God's voice. He was assured of his sonship. And he was reminded and, and really overwhelmed by the feeling of God's love for him. From there, right after this incredible moment, he went straight into a spiritual low. He's out in the desert where he's being tempted by Satan for 40 days. Can you imagine 40 days of being tempted by the greatest tempter of all time? I mean, who would tempt better than Satan? So maybe you've had some spiritual highs this year. And maybe after those spiritual highs, you felt a spiritual attack. It's not a surprise when God does something spiritually significant in our lives that we experience a spiritual attack afterwards. 
There's an enemy that does not want us to thrive. This year was marked by incredible highs for me and my family through this incredible journey that we've been on of, of trying to find a home and establish a home here in the Bay Area. There are so many people that were generous, family and friends that made it possible for us to have a home here. And that's been incredible. But on the flip side of that, there have been so many spiritual attacks. There have been so many things we've, we've had betrayal that we didn't see coming from friends and people that we really loved and and thought loved us. And we've had major health issues and the loss uh, of my papa. Um, You know, there's just so much that that we've had to deal with. But at the same time, there've been so many incredible blessings, right? Like becoming a father, my daughter, now another one on the way. I mean, there's just so much that we can also be grateful for. And so here's the good news. This is all part of God's economy. The Spirit sent Jesus into the desert knowing that Jesus would be tested. God doesn't tempt us, but sometimes He allows temptations and testing to strengthen us. Desert times and fierce temptation produce an assurance of what is really true. Until we've been tested, we don't know true strength. I remember one time in my early 20s, I was at a gym and at the time I was a youth pastor and I was working out and there were some high school guys there and I really wanted to impress them and show them how strong I was. Big mistake, okay? So I'm maxing out on the bench press, throwing on all this weight and and I actually pulled it off. Like I did a ton of weight, but then the next day I woke up and I'm like, something is not right, okay? So I had to go to the doctors and they're like, yeah, you you tore something. You're not gonna be able to do any upper body workouts for a year, okay? I had the strength to do what I set out to do that day, but I really didn't have the strength to sustain it. I mean, I, I injured myself, right? When you know your true strength with God, you have a different confidence about you and the outcome is different. Knowing your strength in God leads to carrying a godly authority. Check out all these things that we can learn from Jesus's life right in Mark 1 about the authority that he gained through this testing. He had the authority to evangelize. Okay, Jesus preached the gospel. He called people to follow him. A close relationship with Jesus always leads to caring more about whether or not others know Jesus. He had the authority to lead. When Jesus wanted someone to leave their job and work directly for the kingdom, he went straight up and asked them. And the earliest disciples, their lives were changed completely. They were focused on fish, and then Jesus called them to focus on people. He had the authority to teach. People were amazed at Jesus' teaching. When he taught them, he taught as one with authority. All the people were so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? Is this a new teaching? With what authority is he talking? He had the authority to heal. Jesus heals this man that's possessed by an evil spirit, and, and he has the authority to say to the evil spirit, come out of him. People are amazed not only at his teaching, but also at the way with which he gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. So whether you're going through a spiritual high or a spiritual low, maybe you're in the middle uh, or maybe you're right in the middle on, on the spectrum right now. Believe that God is preparing you and giving you an increased authority for what he's called you to do. When God calls us to step into a role or, or a position or to do something with, his, with our lives that will expand his kingdom, there's going to be a battle. And he gives us a battle, and this battle forges our character. It's necessary to prepare us to handle a new level of authority. If you're in the middle of a trial, and maybe you've had a few this year, don't complain about them. 
Recognize that even though this can be a very painful moment, God is preparing us for what lies ahead. Okay, so number one, trust that suffering will end in victory. Number two, grow in authority through the battles and the blessings. And number three, pray and act to turn the lows into highs. Okay, there's God's part of the equation, and then there's our part. And we have a part to play in turning a low into a high. We must pray and we must take godly action. And this is illustrated so powerfully in the life of Moses. Okay, Moses was a great reformer. God used Moses to lead his people out of slavery. If you've ever studied or heard the story of Moses, it's incredible. Moses literally met with God on a mountaintop. He talked to God on a mountaintop and received the Ten Commandments. Moses also, he had moments of great spiritual highs, but also great spiritual lows. The people that he led quarreled with him. They argued. They, they were complainers. Okay, I can't stand complaining. We have a saying in our household that we don't complain. That's the saying. It's very simple. We don't complain. We're not complainers, okay? And at one point, Moses, these people are complaining and they're frustrated with his leadership, right? He's, he's taking the cues directly from God and they're frustrated with his leadership and they actually consider stoning him. Okay, so in their frustration uh, and, and all this stuff that they're going through, Moses is so discouraged. He's at a low Yet God turned the lows into, into highs. Okay, how did God do this? In Exodus 17 and 18, we see a couple keys to turning lows into highs. Each of these are really practical things that we can do. And again, there's, there's our part, but there's also God's part. So we don't have control over everything, but we do have a part in going from our lows to our highs, okay? So at the beginning of this chapter, Israel, they're in the midst of a big battle. Remember, they've been freed from Egypt. They're, they're no longer slaves, but yet again, they're finding themselves in a position where they've got to fight for their freedom. So they're fighting the Amalekites. And our first key is right here in the middle of this battle, and that is to support and encourage one another. In verses four and five, it says, Moses prayed for himself. He cried out to the Lord, what am I to do? And then it says that he interceded in prayer for Joshua and the people as they're fighting this battle. Check out what happens. It says, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And so further down, it says, when Moses' hands grew tired, Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one of one on one side and one on the other. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. This passage reminds us how pow- powerful intercessory prayer is, how important it is. It also reminds us of the importance of love and support and encouragement that we need from one another when we're weary and tired. Some of you have been a source of encouragement to our family. And I just want you to know the the texts and the messages and everything that, that you sent us this week. That was so encouraging. You have no idea how much that love and support means. The next thing we learned from Moses' story is to learn to delegate. When it came to leading the people, Moses had a lot of pressure. He had a lot of responsibility. It was a very heavy burden. And so he turned to his father-in-law for some advice. And his father-in-law said to him, hey, if you don't delegate, if you don't spread out this responsibility, uh, you're not going to be able to carry this burden. He said, the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Moses was humble and he was wise and he listened to his father-in-law. Trying to do everything ourselves is not good. 
And, and that's what it says right here in verse 17. It says it's a terrible way to lead because it leads to exhaustion. It leads to burnout. And the other thing it does is it underutilizes other people and their gifts and their ability, which ends up frustrating everyone. Now, let me be clear, just delegating to, to dump things off our plate, that's not a solution, okay? We need to be uh, good leaders. If you, wanna, if you delegate to the wrong people, no amount of micromanaging is gonna solve the problems, okay? You can release and empower, but at the end of the day, if it's not to the right person, it's not gonna be a blessing to the community or to your workplace or in whatever capacity to your family, whatever capacity that you're uh, delegating in. So Moses follows Jethro, his father, father-in-law's advice. And in doing so, we actually see an outline of a criteria for good delegation, how to identify the right person. Um, He was looking for people who were skilled enough that he could have confidence and trust what he was delegating to them. He also chose leaders based on their spirituality, people who put God first, people who feared God. And lastly, he looked at their character. Uh, We need people who are trustworthy, People who are loyal, discreet, and reliable. Moses gave leaders a variety of responsibilities. He looked at their capacity, and accordingly, he gave them responsibility. He delegated a certain amount of decision-making power to all of them, but then for the really big things, he was still involved. But the end result is that Moses was able to stay in the game. Moses was able to stand the strain, and the people went home satisfied. Everyone was blessed. I wonder how many of us thought that delegation would be a major key in getting through the low points in our lives, right? I doubt any of us would have guessed that that would have been one of the kind of big secrets, so to speak, right? But that said, I wonder how many of us feel stressed or overburdened, like, how am I ever going to get all of this done? I wonder how many of us could be more present, more loving, more kind, and more grateful, and more connected to God if we made some changes, if we let go of some stuff, maybe it's time to let some things go. A new year is a great time to take inventory of what we're doing, maybe what we'd like to stop doing. In fact, I want to leave you with an an assignment. I want to leave you with some homework to do between now and January 1st. And what I want you to do is make it to stop doing list. You know, we all are familiar with to-do lists and our to-do lists can get really, really long, but it's just as important to make a list of things that we're gonna stop doing so that we can make room for the more important things, so that we can make room for the things that God wants to do in our lives. And so the end of a year, the start of a new decade is a great time to do that, to set aside time and reflect. This coming uh, year, January 5th, actually, we're going to be starting a new series called Spiritual Gains. We're kicking it off next Sunday, and each week we're going to be looking at habits that lead to huge gains in our lives spiritually. Do you want to grow more this year spiritually? Do you want to be more connected to God than you've ever been? I hope you'll join us, and I hope that you'll set aside some time to consider how you can make room for that to happen, to consider how you can reprioritize, starting with being here, being here and gathering with us next Sunday and going through this this series as a church and looking at ways at spiritual practices that God uh, can grow us, things that God has given us, ways that God has taught us in Scripture to grow closer to Him. God doesn't want it to be hard for us to have a close relationship with Him. Do you want more spiritually this year? Do you want to grow in your relationship with God?
Let's not just skip past this. Let's set aside the time. If you're an introvert, get alone, get a journal, bring an, bring an iPad or however you do that and go to a coffee shop or your favorite chair and, and really pray and consider and, and, and process, God, what is it that I need to let go of this year? And for extroverts, maybe what that looks like is audibly processing with some good friends and people that love you and that you trust and that you can bounce some things around with. But let's not just get past this. And, and you know, for those of you who are at that place of a spiritual low, maybe you're coming out of the low and, and you're like, hey, I, I just want, I want to move past this as we start a new year. This is an opportunity for a fresh start, but it always starts with remembering who is with us. And so we're gonna sing a song in a minute. I'm gonna pray for you, but then we're gonna sing a song that reminds us that God is with us in the fire, that he is with us in our trials, that he is with us in our testing, and that we can be comforted by that, but also we can find strength in that. Can I pray for you? God, I pray for everyone in this room, Lord. I pray that they would be so encouraged that they'd be so encouraged that they would uh, be reminded of how much you are for them, how loved they are, how much greater you are than anything that we face. And God, I just pray for more of your will in our lives in 2020, more of your blessing in our families, more of your blessing in our church. God, I pray that 2020 would be a banner year that we would remember. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.